Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to Patreon.com slash BP Show. Patreon.com slash BP Show. Paul Ryan throws in the towel. How about it? Hey. He knows what's coming down. He wants to get out of the way before the blue wave hits the beach. Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Thursday, April 12, good to see you today. Hello, 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 and welcome. Welcome to the Bill Press Show. As always, here we are, Washington, D.C., coming to you live from our nation's capital with all the news of the day. Lots and lots going on. Yeah, the big news with Paul Ryan making that big announcement, catching most of his Republican colleagues by surprise yesterday. There were rumors he might quit. Nobody put much credence in them until he made the announcement. Now there's, pardon me, a scramble for who will be the new Republican leader of the House, not necessarily the new Speaker of the House, depending on what happens, of course, in November. Uh, Meanwhile, Donald Trump down at the White House, yep, uh, just what we feared We have a constitutional crisis at home and a, uh, who knows, worse than the Cold War crisis overseas with Russia and Syria and the madman in charge of both. Troubling times. And meanwhile, we find out the latest on the Michael Cohen raid was they were not only looking into payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal on the part of Michael Cohen on behalf of Donald Trump, but also all documents related to the Access Hollywood tapes. Did Michael Cohn and Donald Trump also conspire to keep them secret? Ah, uh, it gets getting very, very, the plot thickens, folks. The plot thickens every day. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump sinks deeper into the mud every day. What do you think about all of this? Let us know. You're part of the program. You're a most important guest. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And you and I jump right into it. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. You know, there's a lot of bad news out there, but there is some good news, Bill. Uh, baseball season is back. Oh, baseball season is back. Oh, good. good. But it's yeah. not all good news, by the way, because the Chicago White Sox had a game on Monday against the Tampa Bay Rays. And there were not a lot of people in the stands. In fact, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times reported that in the stadium for the day game, it was a day game on a Monday, there were 
974 people oh in attendance. God. <laughs> wow. And the stadium holds 25,000? The stadium holds about, yeah, a little over 20,000. And yeah. so. Well, you can probably move up and get a good seat. You can find seat. a good seat. Even if you didn't buy a good seat, you yeah. can probably make yeah. your way up there. 974 people. Uh, there are some pictures out there of a completely empty stadium with, uh, you know, teams playing out there. The White Sox uh, are off to a 3-7 and seven start. Uh, they are 0-5 for five at home. So it's not like they can really point to any great success uh, yeah. on the field to try and get people to show up. So it's like the, when the tree falls in the forest. <laughs> Exactly. Right? Exactly. Somebody hits a home run if nobody's there to see it. Did it really happen? <laughs> Did it really happen? Uh, Pope Francis, this is sort of a, a groundbreaking move for him. He sent a letter to Chilean bishops yeah. where he admitted, quote, serious errors in his handling of sex abuse scandal that rocked the uh, Roman Catholic Church in Chile. He said, quote, I recognize and want you to communicate and want you to communicate this accurately, that I have made some serious errors of judgment and perception of the situation, especially due to lack of truthful and balanced information, end quote. That is the letter from Pope Francis that he sent to the bishops in Chile about this whole scandal. Yeah, there was a bishop that was guilty of sexual abuse, and uh, he, whenever, what his archbishop name was, I forget now, um, basically moved him around, covered it up, didn't yeah. report him to authorities. Which is something that the Catholic Church did for, for a, years. A lot of them did, yeah. And by the way, we know we've talked about this before. One of the uh, candidates for governor in New York is actress Cynthia Nixon. Mm -hmm. She's running, formerly of Sex in the City. Yesterday, she put a video up on Twitter that says that if she is elected, she will legalize recreational marijuana for the state of New York. And she said, stop putting people of color in jail for something that white people do with impunity. I so. can tell you, the headline on that really threw me this morning. I picked up the New York Times. The headline says, Nixon's first move, legalize marijuana. Nixon's and the I one. said, what? This is the Bill Press Show. Just what we feared might happen. A constitutional crisis at home and a foreign policy crisis in the Middle East. And Donald Trump is in charge of both. Oh, my God. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Thursday, April 12, it is the Bill Press Show, and you are welcome to it. You are part of it. You are the most important part of the show. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We've got lots and lots to talk about. Every day is a busy news day in the era of Trump. God, we, 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 uh, it's hard to remember the no drama days of no drama Obama, right? It's just the opposite today. Uh, so we join you to talk about it all across America. Wherever you are, we're right there alongside of you. Isn't that great? We reach out from Washington, D.C., and jump in alongside of you uh, in your office, in your car, in your bed, in your kitchen, wherever you happen to be, uh, online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On television, how about it? On Free Speech TV, part of the DirecTV. Uh, and on the radio, how there you are in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the great progressive voice of Chicago, all of our great friends out in Chicagoland and statewide in Indiana. 
on Indiana Talks. Lots and lots going on today. Uh, and we've got a great lineup of guests. Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, will be here to tell us all about the big teacher movements in West Virginia and Oklahoma and Arizona and Florida and other states and what's going on. Zoe Tillman is the uh, justice reporter for BuzzFeed uh, here on the latest on the Michael Cohen and Robert Mueller investigations. And then Matt Fuller, congressional reporter for Huffington Post, or HuffPost, as they call it now, on the latest with Paul Ryan. Uh, yes, indeed, great to see you today. Peter and I <clears throat> have decided that our favorite story of the day, we have to start there before we jump into the more serious stuff, is John Boehner has a new job. Yeah, uh, John Boehner has a new job. He just joined the board of a uh, company, joined the board of a company that's called Acreage Holdings. Now, Acreage Holdings is has one product. They buy lots of acres to grow marijuana. Uh, they we are, know he's a big smoker. Uh, we know he's a big smoker. <laughs> that's right. Uh, this is a man who they, they have uh, cannabis operations in 11 states. By the way, those are more states than have legalized the recreational use of marijuana. So they're they're betting, you know, that more are going to join, and they're right about that. Um, he, this is a man uh, who who one time said that he was un when he was Speaker of the House, he was unalterably opposed to the legalization of the recreational use of marijuana. Now he simply says, "My thinking on marijuana has evolved." Stealing a play from the Barack Obama uh, playbook there. My thinking on cannabis has evolved. Uh, You just have to wonder if the paycheck that he will get as a member of the Board of Acreage Holdings had anything to do with his thinking on on cannabis evolving. It just just shows you, good for John Boehner for now, but, I mean, it just shows you the rank hypocrisy that rules in Washington, D.C., and how money really controls so much of the decision-making. Right, you know, it's it's sad and we were, it's sick. We were talking about this before the show, and it's like, okay, that's that's good that the war on marijuana now has a, a new voice in the opposition, right? Like that's great, but also John Boehner used to be in a position where he could actually do something about this. Yeah, when he was there, he could have had a vote. He could have he could have moved some legislation, right? And you know, back then. I'm not saying he was using it, although I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But, you know, back then he didn't really feel that strongly about it. It's just the money was on the other side. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Now, exactly. The money's, now the money's in his pocket. So yeah. there you go. That's all what right. it's all about, man. Well, uh, John Boehner, uh, listen, we're going to celebrate 420 next week. Hell yeah. Uh, so uh, let's invite John Boehner. Come on over, man. <laughs> we should. Yeah, <laughs> totally. we should. Yeah, come on over. Come roast one with us, buddy. You know what? We will. Uh, we'll promise. We'll buy some acreage holding product. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There. Okay. See. So it could bipartisanship, he, man. So he could write it off as a business expense. <laughs> 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 All right. And anyway, man, much bigger story. Whoa! Wow. Paul Ryan yesterday. How about it? So let, let me just say this. Let me just say this. My very first book. Okay. I've told you a lot about my latest book from the left. A Life in the Crossfire. Check it out on our website, BillPressShow.com. My, that's number nine. My first book, 
was back when Tucker Carlson and I were doing a show on CNN called The Spin Room. And every night, 10 o'clock. And I wrote a book about the, the spin called Spin This. I think the first chapter in Spin This was, whenever you hear anybody say, I want to spend more time with my family, you just call it a great big BS, right? It's, no. the, it's the most classic line it's, you can use. And you would think by now people would have come up with a better line because everybody knows it is BS, right? But uh-uh-uh, that's what Paul Ryan used yesterday. Uh, here he is. First of all, uh, let, let's go back. We don't have to go in the Wayback Machine. Let's just Not go so way back machine. six months back, maybe. Not even. Not even. Not even. December 20, 2017. There are rumors that you might not be around much longer. We've got a lot of work to do. I'm here to stay. I'm not oh. going anywhere. If something changes down the road in the future, I'll address that down the road in the future. Ooh. You know, I, I had forgotten uh, yeah. about this whole thing because I, uh, Tim Alberta uh, with Politico was the reporter that originally wrote back then in December that Paul Ryan had sort of been talking about maybe leaving. And he tweeted some stuff yesterday saying, you know, Paul Ryan's office came back and said, oh, gosh, this is irresponsible. Oh, gosh, we can't confirm yeah, this. Yeah. And that's fine. That's what they have to do. But he also reminded us that Sarah Huckabee Sanders stood at the podium and said, this is fake reporting. This is fake news. There's no truth to this whatsoever. We've talked to Paul Ryan, and we know that this reporter made up this story, uh. which – was 100% true. Yeah, yeah. Paul Ryan had been thinking about leaving. You mean Sarah Huckabee Sanders lied from the podium? I, I know. <laughs> Brace yourself. Or said something when she did not know the facts? Shocking. Shocking, right. At any rate, Paul Ryan did say, yep, here is why I am stepping down. He his spin this. I just don't want to be one of those people looking back at mm -hmm. my life thinking I spent more time with my kids when I know if I spend another term, uh, they will only know me as a weekend father. Oh, uh -huh, yeah, right. Okay, so he's going to spend more time with his family out in uh, Janesville, uh, Wisconsin, which is, again, a bunch of crap. Look, here's what happened. Paul Ryan threw in the towel. Paul Ryan is running for the hills because he knows it's all over. I think this speaks volumes for the Republican Party, which has totally lost any credibility uh, in the, among the American people. And it also speaks volumes about Donald Trump. What has Donald Trump done to the Republican Party? I mean, here is, like him or not, and it's pretty obvious I don't, that Paul Ryan was the establishment, top establishment Republican, 48 years old. He's not like Mitch McConnell. He's not the last generation. This is a new generation. Everybody thought a year ago the guy who was going to lead the new Republican Party, or the Republican Party, into the future they put all their hopes on Paul Ryan. He was out there raising money. They figured, yeah, we got this nutcase in the White House, but he'll be gone soon. And we got Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan, remember, was the Republican Party's vice presidential nominee. That's what a rising star he was in the party. Mitt Romney picking him as his vice presidential nominee. Not that he did such a great job, not that he delivered anything, but that's the hope that they put in a Paul Ryan and then Paul Ryan looks at what's happening in 2018, looks at Donald Trump, looks at where the Republican Party is today, looks at the advances the Democratic Party have already made, looks at the polls and says, I'm out of here. 
I am out of here. Yeah, Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, Paul Ryan. Now, of course, then he says, well, he denies that this is going to have any impact at all on 2018. I really do not believe whether I stay or go in 2019 is going to affect a person's individual race for Congress. That, yeah, nonsense. No, well, the, the, nonsense. By it the way, is nonsense. It's total nonsense for yeah, a lot of different reasons. It will have a great impact because people will see again uh, that the Republican Party, they can't believe in themselves if they just are walking away. He, by the way, he's not the first. Twenty. He's number 24. The 24th Republican member of Congress who has said they're quitting this year and not running for re-election. Now, remember, Democrats only have to pick up 23 seats to win. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get all those 24 seats because most of those are red seats. But some of them, they're like Paul Ryan's them. seat, yeah. are winnable. Yeah. Iron Stash. Congressman Iron Stash is coming, baby. Yeah. It's a good blue-collar district in Wisconsin. We can get that. So twenty. he's number 24. What does that say when 24 Republicans say... This looks so bad, and I'm so sick of Donald Trump, I'm walking away. So uh, to, the, to that point, right, there are a lot of Republicans that don't love Donald Trump, okay? We, we know that. There are hashtag never Trumpers out there. And the only way that the Republican Party can sort of survive the chaos that is Donald Trump as president is a lot of them have pointed to, like, look, we've got a lot of young, smart politicians out there. They can help keep Donald Trump in check on some level. Right? And who will Whether be there Trump, when he leaves. Who will be there when he leaves. Exactly. So Paul Ryan, Marco Rubio, take your pick. There are others yeah. that, after Donald Trump is gone, will still have these strong Republicans that are still going to be there to keep the party afloat and keep our, our, our sort of uh, agenda moving forward. Right. Now, yeah. who do they have to point to? Mark Meadows? Steve Scalise? <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell? No. No. Like, how Republicans aren't I mean, that again, excited about those guys. Paul Ryan's pretty bad. But sure. He, but he was the best they had. Yeah. In you terms know? of the face of the party. Right. That's the best they had. Yeah. And now what? Right. Now. Kevin yeah. McCarthy? <laughs> People are really going to get excited Kevin about McCarthy that? Kevin McCarthy or Steve Scalise or, or anybody. But the other thing you've got to say about Paul Ryan is that when you look back at it, I mean— <laughs> No real loss, certainly not for the American people. Because one thing about you got to understand, what did Paul Ryan accomplish as speaker? You tell me. I can't think of a single thing. No leadership. I mean, he made John Boehner, I think, look like a giant leader. I mean, Paul Ryan was was run around by the by the uh, Tea Party, which we now call the Freedom Caucus. And you mentioned Mark Meadows. He was totally subservient to them. Would never cross them. Uh, would never cross Donald Trump, and we know he wasn't an early Trump supporter. When the Access Hollywood tape came out, he disinvited Trump from a campaign event. It's the only time he showed any balls. But since Trump's been in the White House, he has totally sucked up to Trump, kissed his ass over and over again on everything Donald Trump wanted. Never, dis- never, never. All this Stormy Daniels stuff, whatever, Paul Ryan said nothing about it. So he's total coward, and his entire agenda accomplished nothing. <coughs> Pardon me, his entire agenda... Uh, and for a, a Catholic and a guy who bragged about how, how my, as a Catholic, he had such love for the poor and cared for the poor and wanted to help the poor. And yet his entire agenda has been to cut every single program that helps the poor or the middle class. 
food stamps, Medicaid, Social Security, you name it, uh, public ho- housing subsidies, you name it. Uh, Paul Ryan cut them all. In fact, he admitted yesterday, you know, he, he puts, it, puts, puts this under the umbrella of entitlement reform. What entitlement reform means is getting rid of Medicaid, privatizing Social Security, uh, right down the list, getting rid of all of those programs, right? And he says, yeah, my one regret is I didn't kill enough programs to help the poor. Do I regret the fact that the Senate did not pass this? Yes. Uh, but I feel from all the budgets that I've passed, normalizing entitlement reform, pushing the cause of entitlement reform, and the House passing entitlement reform, I'm very proud of that fact. But, yeah, of course, more work needs to be done. Yeah, if only I could, if only I could have killed food stamps before I left. Yep. Yeah, I really regret Social Security is still there. Yeah, damn it. Yeah, I really regret Medicaid is still there. Yeah, damn it, didn't get rid of it. That's, you know, that's, that is Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan took the ugly politics that Republicans have been working on for years, right? Like this, this whole entitlement reform, which is a nice way to say taking away uh, programs that help uh, poor people, has been around for a long, long time, right? Newt Gingrich, is, mm. th- that was his thing. And Newt Gingrich just did it in an uglier way. Paul Ryan did it in, a, in like a, a, oh, yeah. a more attractive, a little more subversive way to try and make it happen. No, because he painted himself as this great intellectual right. who had this amazing economic theory that if we only gave the rich all the biggest, the biggest tax cuts that we could think of, you know, then the economy would flourish and we wouldn't need these government programs. And by the way, we talked about this. That was his that was this is all part of a plan. Last year was giving the tax cuts away. This year the plan was because now we're broke, we don't have any money left, we gave it all away to tax cuts to the rich, that this year we'll get rid of Medicaid, Social Security, group Medicare, right down the list. Uh, so he's leaving because he realizes he's not going to be achieved that second part of the agenda. But, yeah, the rich did get their tax cuts. Thank Damn you. right they did. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Paul Ryan. Uh, and now we'll see, Peter, you, you just sort of alluded to that. We're going to see the scramble for who's going to um, be uh, the next leader of the Republicans in the House, most likely the minority leader. Uh, in the House of Representatives, and the two leading candidates are Steve Scalise or Kevin and Kevin McCarthy. By the way, remember Kevin McCarthy was going to be Speaker of the of the House not that long ago, and the Republicans said, "Hell no." Yeah, yeah. That's said, how we got Paul Ryan to begin with. Right. Paul Ryan wasn't even running. They went to him and said, "Hey, we can't have this McCarthy guy." Right? Like, McCarthy was the guy. They yeah, made the announcement. Yeah. He's going to succeed John right. Boehner, and the Republicans right. would have none of right. it. They rejected him. Right. Oh, but good luck this time <laughs> around, buddy. Oh, it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, right. Uh, so, um, by the way, there is another story. Um, yes, we'll get to uh, Donald Trump in just a minute here. But um, there's a new little Donald Trump out there. Uh, he's the governor of uh, Missouri, Eric Graytons. Man, and um, boy, it sounds like Stormy Daniels' deja vu all over again. So Eric, Eric Graytons is governor of Missouri who admits that he had an affair uh, with his um, hairdresser, right? Um, and he says it was a consensual affair. It was a mistake. He and his wife have talked about it. She forgives him, and so let's kind of move on. Uh, the woman who is suing him says, uh-uh, this was a forced sexual relationship. Uh, he tied her up to some um, 
exercise equipment. I mean, the details of this are really kind of sleazy. And uh, even uh, slapped her around. Uh, and she says, um, took she, he took and published, put up online, a uh, naked photo of her without her permission, which is a federal crime, by the way, um, or at least a crime in Missouri. So he goes to court next week. And yesterday, echoing Donald Trump, you've heard this phrase before. Here's what he thinks about this lawsuit. This is a political witch hunt. Oh, my God. Now, come on. Don't you think you could have found – you know everybody's going to pair that immediately to Donald Trump right. word for word. I mean, come on. Right. Come on. I mean, right. he, Trump just tweeted those same words th- Yesterday. earlier this week. Yeah. yeah. A total witch hunt. Uh, and, of course, Donald Trump called all of the women who have accused him of sexual abuse liars, right? He was going to sue them. He never did. Three of women are now suing him. Uh, so very great. And total witch hunt. Uh, and he says, I'll be in court next week. I mean, he's still the governor. He's going to court next week on charge next month on charges of sexual harassment. He said, this court is going to clear my good name. In just 33 days, a court of law and a jury of my peers will let every person in Missouri know the truth and prove my innocence. Now, what's the state legislature? I like here it is the Republican Congress and Donald Trump doing nothing. What's the state legislature in Missouri doing? Of course, nothing, because it's under Republican control. The Democratic leader of the uh, of the legislature, Gail McCann Beatty, uh, says we got two options here. It is clear to me that this governor must resign, and if he fails to do so, I believe we should begin impeachment proceedings. But the Republican leader. Uh, the one in control of the state legislature says Todd Richardson is his name. No hurry. To take disciplinary action or to remove elected officials from office is one of the most serious and consequential powers the Constitution grants the legislature. Yeah. <laughs> we will not take that responsibility uh, lightly. Uh-uh. No. We will right. not act rashly. Yeah. My governor, this is this is so reflective of what's happening in Congress. It's happening everywhere, yeah. Yeah, it is exactly the same. This is the most disgusting behavior you can think of, and yet it's my guy, and so I'm going to stick with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you, <laughs> uh, it, it makes you appreciate the Republicans who broke with Richard Nixon. The Democrats, and not all of them did, but some Democrats who broke with Bill Clinton and said, no, I'm not going to condone this or, or, or defend this kind of behavior. Uh, but, boy, the Republicans are defending Donald Trump, and in Missouri they're defending Eric Greitens. Uh, meanwhile, on the Michael Robert Mueller front, uh, we uh, learned yesterday that that raid on Donald Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen's home and office and uh, hotel room, was for the purpose of getting documents. Remember, remember, again, this raid was conducted by the New York U.S. Attorney's Office, not by Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller found out about this possibility of a crime, referred it to the Deputy Attorney General. He sent it to the U.S. Attorney in New York. They went to a federal judge in New York, and all three of those, Deputy Attorney General, U.S. Attorney in New York, federal judge in New York said, there's compelling evidence that a crime was committed here, and so we authorize the FBI to go in and seize these documents. We'll give them that search warrant. They were looking for documents relating to the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels and to Karen McDougal. 
And now we know that they were also looking for documents related to the Access Hollywood tapes. So it's possible, I think this is what they're exploring, that Donald Trump and Michael Cohen conspired, can we use the word collusion? <laughs> conspired or colluded to basically bury these three stories before the election because they might have a negative, would have a negative impact on, on Donald Trump's chances uh, in November. And if they, if they did that and didn't report it, that's a clear violation of, of uh, campaign finance laws. So uh, that's what they're looking at. I don't know whether you saw any on the news last night, but Michael Cohen was walking around the streets of New York yesterday, and he told people he's not worried. Yeah, uh, he's not worried at all. I'd be worried. You know what? He I'd be damn, worried. He damn right ought to be worried. The FBI does not, when you're an attorney like that, high-profile attorney, again, the FBI would not come in there unless they were pretty clear that they had a case. Uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't risk the, the monumental embarrassment right. if it turns out to be nothing. Um, and uh, stories continue to percolate out of the White House that Donald Trump is so pissed off about this, uh, considers it not just a, uh, another strike against him, but an attack on our country, as he said. Uh, that he you know what is, it is, Bill? You know what it is? This is a political witch hunt. Oh, it's yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Donald Trump is still considering firing uh, either Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, or Robert Mueller, or Jeff Sessions, or all three, right? Of all people to say, <clears throat> not so fast, Roger Stone surfaced yesterday, and Roger Stone saying, um... This is not what I would recommend. From a political point of view, that the termination of Mr. Mueller would probably give the Democrats the firestorm they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend that. Mm-hmm. The firestorm, uh, meaning that Democrats and Republicans on the Hill uh, have all said, uh, don't do this, Mr. President. This could provoke a constitutional crisis, as if we're not already in one. Uh, and, and we know that... Uh, Chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Chuck Grassley from Iowa, actually said to fire Robert Mueller would be suicide. Again, that doesn't mean Republicans would do anything, uh, but they are recommending against it. Meanwhile, four senators, two Republicans and two Democrats introduced a bill yesterday, and Mitch McConnell said there now there will be a vote on this bill in the Senate Judiciary Committee, I think, uh, within maybe next week. Uh, this bill to protect Robert Mueller, to insulate Robert Mueller uh, from getting fi- against getting fired uh, by Donald Trump. Interesting. A bill sponsored by two Republicans, Lindsey Graham, maybe not such a surprise, and Tom Tillis from North Carolina, and Cory Booker and Chris Coons from the two neighboring states of New Jersey and Delaware. Jonathan Carl from NBC, ABC News last night. Uh, summing up what this legislation is all about. It's a serious bipartisan effort, but it faces real obstacles. It's unclear whether or not the Republican leadership will even allow a vote on it because Republican leaders say that they do not think it's necessary because they don't believe the president will fire Mueller. By the way, those same Republican leaders have told the president directly that they believe firing the special counsel would be a grave mistake. Okay, yep, there we go. Yes, indeed. Boy, I told you. Told you there's a lot, lot so to talk much. about. Right. 
Uh, and meanwhile, Paul Manafort is uh, challenging Robert Mueller, saying uh, he wants all the stuff they took from his house back. What's the latest with Mueller, with Cohen? We'll find out. Zoe Tillman is the covers uh, the Justice Department courts for um, BuzzFeed. She'll be joining us next year. Quick break. We'll be right back. Continue our conversation here. Don't forget, your comments are always welcome at BP Show. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Here we are, Thursday, April 12. Uh, about it. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Brought to you today by the Labor's International Union of North America. Terry O'Sullivan leading the Labor's Union. Uh, the great members there building a better America. That's her website, too. Liuna, L-I-U-N-A, buildsamerica.org. Uh, uh, check it out. And while you're at it, number seven on the Washington Post bestseller list. Uh, yeah, maybe we can get up, you know, to three or four or something this list, uh, this time, this week, um, with your help. Uh, check it out. I'm talking about my new book, of course, called From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire, a uh, memoir of all the fun times that I've had uh, so far. I've called it Memoir Part One, uh, because there's a lot, a long way to go here. Uh, but you can join Anderson Cooper and Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, even Tucker Carlson and Bernie Sanders uh, saluting the book. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com, to find out more about it. And we welcome to the studio Zoe Tillman is a justice reporter for the great BuzzFeed. Zoe, good to see you. Hey, Bill. Good With to lots to talk about. Your, 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 your area of news has been uh, per- percolating lately. A little here, busy huh? over there. A little, huh? just little, a little busy. busy. Okay. Yeah. And we've talked about some of this and other issues uh, for our first uh, half hour this morning. Uh, with Peter generating some comments. Yeah, lots of comments on several different topics. Paul Ryan, Michael Cohen. Uh, first of all, our buddy Romaine in Chicago says, <laughs> I love his nickname for Donald Trump. He calls him Donnie Two Scoops because, <laughs> you know, he gets the two scoops of ice cream while everybody else just gets one. Uh, he says, hey, you know what, Donnie Two Scoops, your lawyer getting ready with a valid search warrant is not an attack on our country, but Russia hacking into our election is... Um, also, some yeah, comments. That, that is sort of an interesting comment, right? I mean, Russia hacks into our election. Yeah, no comment. No yeah, comment. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, also on Twitter at BP Show, David Steele says Paul Ryan spends time with his kids after making it harder for other parents to spend time with their kids. <laughs> yeah, a very this is good a man point. who is always against family leave. Yeah, that's that. That's yeah. That's the legacy of Paul Ryan. Uh, and another thing about Paul Ryan for Bruce, this is, comes from our YouTube chat room, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. The Puritan ethic is very much alive today. If you are poor, it's because you're a bad person in the eyes of Paul Ryan and fellow Republicans. If you have a comment, find us on Twitter at BP Show or in our chat room, youtube.com slash the Bill Press this, Show. This is a great chance for um, the people of Wisconsin to make amends, right? To repay the American people for sending us Paul Ryan in the first place. Yeah. Elect Congressman Iron Stash. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, <coughs> pardon me. So, where do we go? Let's start. Michael Cohen, uh, the president's attorney and best friend, uh, was walking the streets of Manhattan yesterday. Uh, reporters caught up with him, asked him if he was worried, and he said, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And just kept walking on. Should he be worried? I mean, anytime multiple search warrants are executed on the place where you live and work, it's not a great 
week. Uh, for well any said. person. Well said, I think, right. Um, I mean, I think where it goes from here will depend probably a lot in part on Michael Cohen. You know, it's now been been public. They are interested in information from him. We've learned from his lawyer, I believe, that he had been producing documents to congressional investigators. It you know, wasn't a surprise that folks were interested in what he knew. And I think now that it's been done in a way that is so public, it puts a lot of the it puts the ball in his court, I think, to a certain extent. Does he want to cooperate? Is he going to try to fight uh, the prosecutors in Manhattan in what they take and what they keep? Is he going to move to quash information if this results in criminal charges? Or is he just going to say, I'm in, what do you want? You know, I think how much potential trouble he might be in, you know, we don't know. But I think it'll depend on where he goes next and what he Are decides to do. Are they going after him because they w- want him to throw Donald Trump under the bus? You know, we don't know. You know, we've seen reports that they were interested in information that had to do with the president, the Stormy yeah, Daniels payment, right. the relationship to the campaign, but also... And now the inform- Access Hollywood tape. The Access Hollywood tape, but also information pretty unrelated to the president. There's this whole situation with him owning taxi medallions, his relationship to the taxi industry in New York. That seems quite separate from anything having to do with the campaign. We know that from reporting, they were looking at tax documents, other financial yeah. records. We don't know the scope of what prosecutors in Manhattan may have already been looking into prior to the campaign, prior to Mueller. It seems like it was such a broad execution of search warrants that it could go in any number of directions. So is, I think a lot of people, and including myself initially, were confused by this. So let's focus on the Cohen raid. Is that part of the Mueller investigation? Directly, no. What we've seen is, or what his lawyer said publicly, was that there was a referral by Mueller to to the U.S. attorney or to Rod Rosenstein, who is Mueller's boss for all intents and right, purposes. Right, he oversees right. the special counsel. So the deputy attorney general. Right. He, you know, presumably Mueller went to Rosenstein and said, we have this information. Uh, the implication is that in doing that, Mueller may not have believed he had jurisdiction over whatever they found. And there was a decision made to refer that to the Southern District of New York, often referred to as the Sovereign District of New York, because mm-hmm. it's a you know, office with longstanding history and independence. It's always been the most, yeah. They do their own thing. Um, and that was referred over to Manhattan. And at that point, the prosecutors there went to a judge, followed procedures to get search warrants. It was taken out of whatever Mueller had was taken out of Mueller's purview and is now in the hands of prosecutors in Manhattan. But we skipped a beat here, which is that when Rod Rosenstein referred it to the Southern District of New York, the man leading the Southern District of New York, who used to be Preet Bahara until Donald Trump fired him, was Jeffrey Berman, Hired by, appointed by Donald Trump as a, appointed by Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, I'm yes. sorry. Okay, as a new U.S. attorney, but, right? So, so he so hasn't in, been nominated. No one's been nominated oh, for that job yet. This is an interim. Oh, position, an interim. Okay, but he's been interviewed. You know, he's been a contender. All right. So, so the attorney general, Donald mm-hmm. Trump's attorney general, put a, 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 right. ostensibly a Donald Trump guy in this office. Mm-hmm. In fact, Berman worked in the 2016 campaign as a volunteer. Uh, as part of the Trump operation. And so, a, a law partner of Rudy Giuliani. Law partner of Rudy's, okay. And what I'm getting to is, so 
Berman recuses himself. Right. I thought Donald Trump didn't like people who recuse themselves. We don't know a whole <laughs> lot about that. We don't know why. We don't know. I'm sure Donald Trump is thinking, hey, I put you in that job. We put you in that job. Why didn't you shoot this thing down? Just like Jeff Sessions. And why didn't you shoot the motor thing down? Why did you recuse yourself? Why not stay there and fight, right? Attorney I mean, ethics can be a real drag yeah. sometimes, you know. <laughs> but uh, we, you know this had to piss off Trump. I mean, I haven't heard him. He hasn't tweeted about no. Jeffrey Berman yet, but that, that little fact gets kind of lost. Yeah, we, we don't know why. We don't know the circumstances of that. There was some confusion well, because was about. The, one would assume it was the appearance of a conflict. Sure. If not a conflict, we know, the, you know, at least the appearance of a conflict. Right. I mean, we know that he was the White House's pick for the nominee for the nomination for that job. We know that they were considering him pretty seriously to right. be the nominee. Um, and we've seen other situations where folks in a similar position have determined that they feel that it, it presents a conflict or an appearance of a conflict while they're in consideration okay. yeah. for a nomination. All right. Now, I've heard already some Trumpers uh, and others uh, make a point that, oh, my God, here we go again. Ken Starr started out with a real estate deal in Arkansas, and he ends up with sex talk, you know, uh, with Paula Jones and Bill Clinton and, and Monica Lewinsky. Now, here we go. Robert Mueller starts out with collusion, possible collusion with Russia, and now we end up with Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, right? Isn't this the same thing? Everything is old is new again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I wanted to come back to this, whether this is part of the Robert Mueller investigation or not. Mm -hmm. It seems that it's it may have come from there, but it is not what Robert Mueller is spending his time looking into. As of now, yes, correct? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, if prosecutors <laughs> in Manhattan find information that they determine is under the jurisdiction of Robert Mueller, it can always go back to the special counsel's office. This is not a permanent move in one direction. The arrow can flip back. Um, and I think that's where you'll start to see some of the president's supporters say this is really just a proxy for Mueller, that he's letting the prosecutors in Manhattan do the grunt work, and they're just going to turn everything back over to the special counsel's office when all is said and done. And we don't, we have no idea if that's going to happen, but that it is true that if they were to find something about Russian collusion, the campaign, something that really did fall squarely in the special counsel's office, that that could go back that over. That could go back, right. Mm -hmm. But what if it's just the hush money or the mon the, con the N NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, with um, uh, Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, um, and who knows about the Access Hollywood tapes, um, what's the what's the potent, what's what's the crime? What's the possible crime that they're looking into? There's been think? some speculation that this could be campaign finance related violations so if the, there was in kind. So it was meant to help the campaign, but they didn't report it. Right, coordination with the campaign, <laughs> just a, a relationship and an exchange of value, something of value that would need to be reported under campaign finance rules. Mm -hmm. It was one area of speculation that we've seen come out since then. So um, Donald Trump is in legal jeopardy on several fronts, right? He's got the Robert Mueller deal. He's got three women. Um, we mentioned Stormy Daniels, Karen McDougal, some reservos, all, all filing lawsuits. Now he's got this Michael Cohen thing. Um, maybe he needs an attorney. 
he's had attorneys. <laughs> he still has attorneys. He has fewer attorneys than he started with. Um, and he, but he doesn't have the, the 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 guy to replace John Dowd as his main guy with Robert Mueller. No, right? he has Jay Sekulow still, who is his outside. Yeah, but who's not attorney, a, but who is. Mm, He's not a, not a litigator, a traditional a, litigator. An accomplished litigator or right. white collar crime defender. You know, Correct. Jay, Jay, I, I know Jay, Jay Sekulow well. I've debated him many times on CNN and radio and everything. He's he's a, a, a he's sort of a, a legal, TV commentator, right? He's an advocate. I mean, he's advocate, a yeah. And he does advocacy work. He's not, but he's not in courtrooms. Right, he's not right, working with right. white collar defendants. He's not doing congressional investigations. It's just a different area of practice. And it's, you know, we know that the president had been looking for other lawyers. That may be ongoing. We don't know. Um, he still has his counsel in the White House, on the White House side of things, that are still working on any demands that come through the White House. Ty Cobb, who is an experienced mm-hmm. white collar lawyer, long history there. Um, but yeah, as of his as of now, we we don't really know who else he's consulting with. Beyond that, is he still out there trying to hire a a, a top law firm? Uh, we haven't heard anything recently about that, but we know that they were pretty actively looking. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, maybe the big story last week. Right. At least four of them they that had had been interviewed uh, and turned him down. Uh, and meanwhile, the very first person that Robert Mueller nabbed was Paul Manafort uh, and his deputy, Rick Gates. Mm-hmm. Rick Gates is now cooperating. Paul Manafort is not, right? Paul Manafort is still fighting this. He's Yes. And now challenging, um, talk about raids. The first raid was on Paul Manafort's home early That's in the right. morning. That's yeah. right. Raids on his home, <laughs> on a storage unit. Um, investigators seized you know, reams and reams of documents and papers. And Paul Manafort is now coming back to court and arguing that a lot of that evidence should be suppressed, that the judge should toss it out. Um, He's arguing that these search warrants were too broad. Uh, They basically gave the agents carte blanche to seize any piece of paper that they encountered. Um, They weren't limited to particular subject areas. With the storage unit, he's saying it wasn't even time limited, that they could seize anything going back decades, and that these are unconstitutionally impermissible. Um, I think what's interesting from these efforts by Paul Manafort is we're seeing the search warrants and we're seeing what prosecutors were interested in last summer, you know, Mm. for the Mm -hmm. search warrant on his home. We know that they were interested not just in his work for Ukraine, which is what the charges are are rooted in, but the search warrants talk about the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting, uh, Amin and R.S. Agalarov, the Russian billionaire oh, and his yeah. son that Trump you know, worked on the Miss Universe pageant with. That's a subject area in the search warrant for Paul Manafort's home. So we know they were looking at that um, in going to the judge and saying we have probable cause to believe certain crimes were committed. That list of crimes included violations of the ban on contributions to campaigns by foreign nationals. So we know that they were they thought that they might find evidence of that in Paul Manafort's home. Um, so I think it really speaks to the range of issues that they were exploring with respect to Paul Manafort. Even though the charges didn't touch on the campaign, we, we have a better sense of what they thought they might have or might get on him and right. what they may still be looking into. You know, just as a practical question, I'm curious. Um, 
So the FBI has a warrant to look for evidence related to certain issues, like you just pointed out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they come into my office. Um, do they sit there and sort things out at that time, or they do they just swoop everything up and take it back to headquarters and then sort it out? My understanding is it's a combination. So if there's a box that <laughs> says important tax documents 2007 to 2014, if the search warrant says important financial documents from 2007 to the present, my understanding is that they probably can take that box and then if they determine there's irrelevant material that has to go back if it doesn't fall under the purview of the search warrant. I think also Well, you're talking about offices that are a lot more organized, <laughs> better organized than mine. <laughs> right? I think they do spend you know they spend some time going through know, if they're just papers, they look at them. But I think it's the search warrants that we saw were were very broad. I mean, they yeah. really said Financial yeah. documents, right. which could mean they, anything. They saw this one box over here that just had Stormy on the side of it, right? There. Oh, mm, yeah, that, pick that up. Pick that one up. But you think about how much information is on your computer, right? They're not sitting there going through your right. computer. They take the computer. And by the way, when they say they seize the computer, they mean physically take the computer, yes. right? Yes, and then it usually gets imaged, everything that's on the computer, and when that happens, sometimes they'll then give the computer back if they've already got, if they've imaged what's on your electronic device. If they get into your phone, they can take, they can image the contents of your phone, and then they may or may not hold on to the actual device. Yeah. Does, jo this is a big question uh, that uh, probably on every law school exam this spring, does the President of the United States have the authority to fire the special counsel? Sarah Huckabee Sanders says he believes he does. Great question, Bill. <laughs> well, you're taking the exam. I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's there are a couple camps. The regu there are regulations. It's not a law. Mm -hmm. Congress has not passed a law with respect to special counsel. That's what they're thinking about doing right now. But it's a regulation. Right. And it says only the attorney general can remove or his deputy, if the attorney general is recused, as we have now, only the attorney general can remove the special counsel if he believes there's been a dereliction of duty, if he's been negligent. You know, it can't just be for any reason. There are limitations, and it's only the attorney general. There is a, a school of thought that says the president is not bound by that regulation. That is not a limit on his constitutional authority as the chief executive to pretty much remove any officer in the executive branch that he wants to. You know, in theory, he could fire his entire cabinet for mm -hmm. no reason yeah. tomorrow. Right. And, you know, he could do that. He has that power. I don't think anybody doubts that power. Right. He appoints them. He can. It's just fire unclear, them. you know, whether he would. It's clear he could order Rosenstein to fire Mueller. That is an yes. order from the executive. Right. right. Rosenstein could obey or not. He yeah, could, but we're ta I'm talking right. about directly, directly firing. It's really unclear. I don't have a good answer for that. I think some people say he does, that he is not bound by that regulation, and he can supersede that authority, and some have said the regulation I see, is meant I can see to where you'd make, you could make that him. argument, but at the same time, um, people, uh, and would be challenged in court, I'm sure, where people could make the argument that um, the Department of Justice regulation has the impact of a law or the authority of a law, and, and that the president is not above the law. Uh, who knows? Yeah. But but that does. We may find out. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's the, definitely the kind of person who would relish the opportunity to test that theory, I think. Yeah. Um, 
But it underscores the importance, I think, of this bipartisan legislation to protect Mueller. That's what some senators are saying, Democrats and Republicans. It's not enough to have this regulation in place. We need a law that says if there's a special counsel, you can only fire for one, two, or three, or four, whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. Dereliction of duty, some committing some crime, or whatever. And it clearly, the bill would clearly <laughs> allow for the special counsel to go to court and challenge the termination, which is what the independent counsel statute had. And that was seen as, even though a lot of folks didn't think it was sufficient check, it was seen as a check on the power of, uh, or it was seen as a protection of the independence of the independent counsel, bringing in multiple branches mm-hmm. into the mix. Well, now this- let, me, let, me, let me just ask you this. If that was to happen, if there was a bipartisan bill that went forward to protect the special counsel, mm. wouldn't the president have to sign it? That's my understanding. To make it a law? I mean, that is how the government works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He ain't going to sign that. No, and they'd have to override his veto. Right. And there are not enough and votes to override they're not going to do that either. Veto. Right. Yeah. So in a sense, it's an academic discussion. Look, I mean, I think it, it would, would be, send a message yeah, yeah. if they if they passed it. And I think for it would him be to good. veto it would send even a further message. Yeah, I think sure. it would be a good thing to do. I'm not trying to poo-poo the whole idea, but like, let's not forget that at the end of the day, even if we do get this bill, Donald Trump has to essentially agree to it by signing it. Right, and I mean, we saw Grassley. This, I think, a number of Republicans are trying to telegraph quite publicly to the White House that um, they would have a big problem with it if he fired Mueller, right? We saw Grassley calling it would be suicide. Um, you know, now Grassley is is supporting this bill. Um, it, it seems like a, a very concerted effort by high-profile, powerful senior Republicans to try to send a message, even if this is not ultimately going to become law. Now, uh, the president is tweeting about this this morning in that there was a report in the New York Times yesterday that actually, I think back in December or something, uh, that the president was ready to fire Mueller and was talked out of it mm-hmm. um, over a report that Mueller had was getting into his Deutsche Bank Deutsche Bank records of financial transactions, right. which turned out to guess not to be true, right, or something. But yeah. Donald Trump says, this is BS, more fake news. If I had wanted to fire Mueller back then, I would have done it. Yeah, and, and that's the message that we got from Sarah Sanders this week that, you know, he's hearing from legal experts that he has this power um, and he he's pushing back on everyone telling him not to do it. He's saying, you know, you don't you're not the boss of me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's we're seeing more direct references by him to Mueller. Right. It's no longer yeah. an oblique witch hunt. This is him directly saying to Robert Mueller, I can do what I want. Right. Uh, on a total before we let you go, total unrelated issue. We remember the uh, ill-fated senator from Louisiana, David Vitter, uh, his wife, Wendy Vitter, up for a federal judicial appointment? She is. She's nominated for a district court in Louisiana. Uh, And where is that? So she had her confirmation hearing yesterday in the Senate. She was by far the most controversial nominee up yesterday. She's fiercely anti-abortion. There was controversy about her not reporting in her questionnaire certain appearances and speeches she gave uh, that were anti-abortion, um, criticizing mm-hmm. birth control. Uh, 
promoting a brochure that made unsubstantiated claims that birth control was linked to all sorts of health ailments, extramarital affairs. Um, So there were some pretty tense exchanges yesterday with Democrats on the Mm -hmm. Judiciary Committee. Um, Didn't get a sense that she's going to have a problem getting out of committee. There wasn't a lot of pushback from Republicans. But I think, you know, these nominees are still coming up and Democrats are pushing back. But it's so far... They don't really have the power to stop uh, No, the Republicans have the votes, and they've been uh, greasing the skids for most of these nominees, with a couple of exceptions who were so <laughs> far unqualified that it was a monumental embarrassment. But looks like she might make it, sadly. Uh, Zoe, nice to see you. Thank Always you. Always good to At be here. BuzzFeed.com. Follow Zoe's good work. When we come back, president of the AFT, Randy Weingarten, joining us. This Lots to talk about. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Paul Ryan throws in the towel. He says, I'm getting out of here. What do you say, folks? Great to see you today. On a Thursday, Thursday, April 12, the Bill Press Show live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Here we are joining you all across this great land of ours, online, on the radio, on television, with the hottest news of the day and a great lineup of guests today as well. Yep. Paul Ryan, the man who is going to lead the Republican Party out of the wilderness, uh, hold, keep them together during the turbulence of Donald Trump, and then uh, rise from the ashes with this new Republican Party under new young leadership. Paul Ryan, the hope of the Republican Party, says, nah, nah, it's not going to work. We're going to fail. I don't want to be here when we all fall apart, so I am leaving now. The 24th member, Republican member of the Congress, to throw in the towel rather than stay and fight. I'm not saying the blue wave is here, but um, I think the Republicans see the blue wave coming. Uh, Yes, indeed. And uh, meanwhile, uh, more information on the FBI raid of the offices of Michael Cohen, the president's uh, personal attorney. Looks like they were also, turns out they were also looking for documents related to the Access Hollywood tapes. Lots going on. We want to hear from you about what it's all about, what you think about the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll jump right into it with Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. We go to Maine, where yesterday a new bill passed that would allow the, not not medical marijuana, recreational marijuana, 
to move forward. Now, here's the thing. They had released... Where, where is this? In Maine, the state of oh, Maine. Oh, state of Maine. Now, here's the thing. It's a little complicated because they had relaxed the rules on recreational marijuana, but there was no market for people to buy it. It's similar yeah, to what we had right. in Washington, yeah, D.C. Yeah. Because while they say it's legal, they don't have anywhere to buy it. Yesterday, they moved that forward. And here's the interesting part. It did pass with a 112 to 34 vote, which is important because the governor in Maine, Paul LePage, said he would veto any pro-pot legislation. Well, here's the thing. If you look at that vote, that is a veto-proof yeah. vote. So yeah. if this does go through, if he does veto, if the veto is overridden and all of that, Mainers can expect to see the first recreational business license issued in the spring of 2019. So what this does is it allows recreational retailers to buy marijuana from former medical growers. So the people that used to grow it just for medical uses, they can they can grow it for recreational purposes and then sell it in their stores. There's not going to be any kind of social club aspect, which a lot of states have. Uh, but it definitely makes it a lot easier for people in Maine to get their recreational weed. Well, you know, I'm really happy about that because I, I don't know how you could survive a winter in Maine without... Without pot. getting a little high? No, I seriously. Good you know? point. Good, good point. I have to ask Jamie about that. We go to... Uh, <laughs> who? We go to the state of Washington where a 35-year-old man broke into someone's house while they were on... Uh, it's, it's their vacation house, so they weren't living in the house. Mm. A guy broke into it, and he didn't steal anything, but he did put it on Airbnb. <laughs> Like, I'm almost not mad at this. It's obviously bad that he broke into somebody's house, but he went through the house. He took down all the photos and put up photos of himself. That is hilarious. And then rented it out to people through Airbnb. So he didn't take anything from the house, but he made money off of it. Uh you can't do that. No. You no. cannot do that. Now, did uh, he give the owners a cut? No, no cut for the owners. No cut for the owners. But he's. But they said that he hung pictures of himself on the wall. He lit the fireplace uh, and checked That's several hilarious. references. So he just ran a little business out of it. You know, yeah. he didn't want to take anything. He just wanted to make a little money. You know, I'm surprised. He probably did that with several properties. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Entrepreneur. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, what did we fear might happen with Donald Trump? We feared that there might be a uh, constitutional crisis someday uh, here uh, in the United States. And we feared there could be a foreign policy crisis uh, somewhere around the world. Guess what? <clears throat> we got them both right now. Both happening right now. And Donald Trump in the White House. OMG. What do you say, everybody? Hello, hello, hello. On this Thursday, April 12, great to see you today. And we welcome you to the program, The Bill Press Show, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. It is a big news day, lots to talk about, the big story. Uh, and we are coming to you live again from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., but joining you um, everywhere you are in this great land of ours today on every possible front. We are with you coast to coast online on and around the world on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We are joining you on the radio out in the great WCPT in the Chicago area, 
Hello, all of our WCPT listeners, and we are here with you, of course, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast as well. Uh, the big story yesterday, uh, hitting uh, the nation by surprise, and particularly Republican, a lot of Republicans in Congress by surprise, when their leader says, I am out of here. Yeah, Paul Ryan throwing in the towel. That's not what he said last December. Uh, not even, not even six months ago, uh, Paul Ryan, when rumors were first floating that he might not stick around, that he might step down, uh, Paul Ryan telling us. We've got a lot of work to do. I'm here to stay. I'm not going anywhere. If something changes down the road in the future, I'll address that down the road in the future. Well, down the road in the future wasn't that, that far ago. away, right? <laughs> uh, it was yesterday. Uh, and as I uh, mentioned a little earlier, my very first book was a book called Spin This. And the first chapter of Spin This said, anytime anybody tells you they're quitting to spend more time with their family, it is pure spin. Here's Paul Ryan. I yesterday. just don't want to be one of those people looking back at my life thinking I spent more time with my kids, when I know if I spend another term, uh, they will only know me as a weekend father. Yep, spending more time with my family. We've heard it before. I call BS on that. Uh, meanwhile, so pleased to welcome to the studio one of our great friends and supporters and a great leader uh, for Americans, Amer all Americans today, particularly America's teachers, Randy Weingarten, president of American Federation of Teachers. Randy, good to see you. Great to be here, Bill. How are you? I'm good. good. I'm good. So <laughs> in this oh, crazy town at this crazy time, isn't it? Isn't that true? Yeah. What's your take on Paul Ryan stepping down as one well, that works closely with the Congress? And well, look, we we actually Stan Greenberg and and we actually did a poll together, which we released yesterday uh -huh. on what we're we're working people or where people really are on taxes and on the economy. And it felt like Paul Ryan was getting the same polling information <laughs> as we were because really? what this said overwhelmingly is that, you know, half the country really opposes the um, tax cut for the rich. They understand what it is, and half the country really supports it. But the intensity when you actually talk to people about what the cost of the tax cut is They've gotten very little. Most people understand they've gotten very little from it, that they feel like, hmm. in general, maybe on a macroeconomic line way, the economy is better. But they're not feeling it. And then they get really pissed off when they realize that the cost of this tax cut for the rich was not just an increase in the deficit, but the cost for the tax cut um, is... Um, a decrease in Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, mm. and mm. in these state fights in infrastructure, dilapidated bridges not being fixed, dilapidated mm. schools not being fixed, and education. And if you kind of marry that result, and, and it's overwhelming. 90% of the people we polled said that, um, and, and it was a general poll, Republicans, Democrats, said that health care is still a huge issue. Wow. 64% said that their wages hadn't gone up, and that was a huge issue. 50% yeah. said their life is not better. But the red-hot anger that this kind of bait-and-switch was the rich got more rich, 
but they may lose the things that government give them. And if that becomes, in addition to the checks and balances, the kind, the way in which um, November or the elections get fought out, then there is, then you're going to see more and more and more Connor Lambs mm-hmm. in those kind of districts. Right. And, and I think if you marry that with what went on in Western Virginia, which voted overwhelmingly for Trump, even my members, in Oklahoma, which voted overwhelmingly for Trump, you see this same um, playbook, which is cut the, um, cut the funding for public services, including public education, and, and for, for tax cuts for the rich, so those tax cuts came at the expense of children and the expense of regular working folks. And so I suspect what he really thought was that he won't, won't go, wasn't going to be the, the, um, the House Majority Leader, the House Speaker, yeah. and then, excuse me, the House Speaker, and that he didn't want to go out that way. Right. And, and that's, and, and so, you know, and, but, but I, was, I was surprised at the intensity of the anger once people understood the real choices, and they get it. And, and, and so this tax bill, which was their number one issue, it's, it's, it is showing itself to be um, a, a real problem. Well, th- th- I was right on that point. The significance of what this poll shows you is that Republicans counted on the tax bill. We know. That's why they rushed it through. They, right. n- they needed a victory. They needed something that they could make the foundation on which they would run to the Amer- in front of the American people in 2018. They tried it out, as you pointed out, in, Connor- right. in the Pennsylvania 18. Uh, they ran it, I think, the tax cut ads for maybe two weeks, and yeah. then they dropped them. The exactly last month right. of the campaign, they didn't even talk about them. So this was their... This was their signature. Their signature and, achievement. And, and, and frankly, the American people are seeing through it, aren't exactly they? Exactly right. And look, Americans... I, you know, Americans take long. <laughs> are Americans. You know, I I spent a lot of time in the field, know, and and I people, I think people who disparage Americans, people are frustrated, but they see through things, and particularly on a tax bill, where frankly they see their withholdings, hmm. so they know the net delta difference between what yeah. their withholdings were in December. And what their withholdings were in January and February. And frankly, a raise, a real raise, is going to bring more take-home pay for people to, to stop premium increases in, in, in health care is going to mean more money in people's pockets than, you know, changing a withholding by, you know, even a dollar a two or five dollars a week. And, 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 and look... For somebody who's living paycheck the by Costco paycheck, membership yeah, five dollars a week is yeah. is huge, but a real raise per hour or a real st- uh, stemming of health care cost increases, and and the other thing that the Republicans probably are not counting on, and we saw it last year too, you know, in October, you get the premium costs for Obamacare, and what Donald Trump has done has been to sabotage Obamacare. So those costs this year, we are told, are going to go up hugely. Mm. And this is going to this this is what sparked the West Virginia strike. 
or walkout, I should say, because people saw the increases in health care, which meant that their take-home pay, their take-home pay, West Virginian teachers' take-home pay in 2018 was less than in 2012. And they had, because there are weak labor laws in West Virginia, they had no um, power to actually say, what's the plan redesign, or you, legislature, put more money into um, Medicaid expansion into the other kinds of things that would reduce the premium increases that we have in West Virginia. And and that weekend, there was a, after the, the increases came out, there was a snowstorm and people on Facebook started <laughs> talking to each other about what it really meant to their families. Huh. And I, that is what sparked the walkout because how do you, in 2018, Same job, not getting a raise. Now you see your paycheck go down because your health insurance increases go up. Right. You know. uh, So uh, I think this is all the reasons. Well, that helps explain one of the big questions I had for you because if you thought, if you thought, uh, first of all, I have to say I was so excited and encouraged um, by by seeing the teachers. Yeah, in West. I kept thinking of you in West Virginia and in Oklahoma and in Florida and now maybe in Arizona. I want to ask you about that. But when Mississippi, you, Mississippi, Bruin and Mississippi. All right, all right. But um, if you thought about where this might bubble up, right? You might, it might more think of New York or Massachusetts or California, but these are red states, right? Well, it has. Why the red states? So first off, let me just say Be- it has bubbled up in these. At the same time as all of this is happening, New York just got a billion dollars in school aid. Um, New York just did, and Governor Cuomo mm. is signing it today, a really good bill on you know trying to ensure that what the Koch brothers are trying to do in Janus to in, eliminate collective bargaining rights for, for teachers mm-hmm. and other public service workers, that there are steps to try to counter that. And they're signing that bill today. Yeah, right. so, so things are happening. So, in some so, other, yeah. so, so what happens is that in the states that have collective bargaining, they work this out at the bargaining table, mm. and 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 we've had like like Pittsburgh just did a contract, um, St. Paul just did a contract, Boston just did a contract, and many of these contracts talk about now how do you get services for kids? We call that common good bargaining. How do you make sure that we actually are not just focusing on salaries and benefits, but the conditions, the teaching and learning conditions that kids need? What what has has captured the public's imagination and attention is that this is also now happening in states with really weak labor laws and, mm-hmm. and where where people don't have the right to go to the bargaining table and meet management at a bargaining table. And they have to go to the Capitol because that's the only place. And in the last five, 10 years, when they went to the Capitol, they were dismissed, disparaged, ignored. And so what they've done is they've said, wait a second, we are not, the the era of despair and desperation and passive resignation is over. We're not taking no for an answer. We are going to act and act collectively. Because, Bill, what we see is that when you act collectively, you get what is impossible to get alone. Mm-hmm. That is what unions are about. Sure. And, and that's yeah. what's captured the imagination because it is in states where 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 the 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 obstacles are great and where people are risking and they are they are risking 
things. They were risking consequences to be this kind of human shield at the Capitol. And and that's what's captured everybody's imagination. And I love it. Nobody wants to be on strike. We want to be in our classrooms. But if you have been brought to the brink, to that kind of despair, to, to see the dilapidated conditions in Oklahoma, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. 50 books that are put together by duct tape. We saw that on the, I mean, yeah. And, 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 and it's, in West Virginia, too. And in West Virginia, too. And, and, and so people are saying, I am standing up for myself, for myself and for the kids I teach. That's what's happening in Oklahoma. And we, we played a clip yesterday of the gov- <laughs> governor of Arizona. Uh, I don't know whether you still have that, Peter, but... Um, if, uh, but at any rate, he yeah, here we are. He, so here's what he thinks about what the teachers are talking about in Arizona. What I've heard from teachers is that they don't want to walk out. They want to solve this problem. Now, I'll tell you, the people that are playing politics, they want to walk out. Yeah, the, they're playing politics. Yeah, the right. people who are playing politics as opposed to. So, you know, one of the reporters just got me yesterday um, something from something called the State Policy Network. Mm-hmm. Which right. uh, which is the Koch brother? Oh, one of no. the Koch brother networks. That that line that Governor Ducey just did right out of it. It's you know this is what you say to yeah. deal with the teacher walkouts. Mm-hmm. Do don't sound tone deaf. I mean I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Don't actually tell teachers that 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 they shouldn't be doing this. But find a way to wedge it. Say that. We, you know, this is an adult problem, not a kid problem. Or, you know, how, you know, you shouldn't be out of school. We need to actually or help kids. If they cared kids. for the kids, if they'd they be in the classroom, kids. right? And it yeah. was, but, but, and, but, and, but it was amazing how I heard the same words that I saw in the sheet out of Betsy DeVos's mouth. I heard those words just out of um, Ducey's mouth. This is their playbook. This is their playbook. But, you know, now it's dark money and trying to be stealth because they will not admit. They they have to call people names. They have to wedge issues. They have to try to pit people against each other because they will not admit that this is the consequences of their decisions to cut taxes on the rich, to to to. Um, do trickle down economics as opposed to what people really want, which is good schools for their children. They want schools that are safe, welcoming, and 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 help create a future, an opportunity for their kids. And I think this will be the stealth issue in this coming election hmm. because people really want to make sure that there are good, decent services. They didn't vote. You know, nobody likes paying taxes. But people want to make sure that they have enough good services so that they have a better life. And in Oklahoma, in West Virginia, in Arizona, what has happened, Kansas, what has happened is they have cut and cut and cut the services to a bone so that they can give tax cuts to the rich. And these states, their economies didn't pop up. They haven't. Right. They don't oh, have no. flowing revenues. Well, in Kansas, in fact, it went. They went under. Right. Exactly they had right. To, uh, to reverse some some of the tax cuts. The, you, you touched on this, but I thought also one of the most powerful parts of the message in each of those states you mentioned was talking about the textbook that the kids had. We had, we we paid a clip a couple of weeks ago of a teacher saying she saw students would carry their chairs from one classroom to the next because they didn't even have chairs for the kids to sit on. I mean, one, for God's sake. One of the teachers. The leaking. The, yeah, it's, I mean, one of the teachers that I met, um, uh, and we were teasing because 
she's teaching street law and criminal law, which were um, subjects that I loved teaching when I taught in New York in the 90s. And we teased about probably using the same, I mean, we use oh, the same textbook, textbook. But, but, but the same edition. Oh, so she, God. in 2018, is using oh, the same God. edition of street law that oh. I used in the 1990s. Oh, my and, and, God. But, yeah. And you think about that and what how mm. that devalues. Look, I don't mind if we use the same edition of a textbook that said Barack Obama is the president. But really, truly, <laughs> using an edition of a textbook that says LBJ is the president? Yeah, I and mean, what we've learned from then. And I mean, what, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it plus is... the physical condition of the book, right? You've got right. to admit. And she, and this this um, the, mm. this teacher, Melissa, was saying to me that in her classroom, she has 40 kids in this particular classroom and 30 desks. So what does that say to kids? 40 kids and 30 desks. Yeah. yeah. And this, but, but think about it, Bill. Sit on the floor, this stand on This is what teachers do. They don't. They are. They are the most exploited, the most undervalued. They because what they do is they say, okay, I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to try and make sure that I create a good experience for and a lot kids. Of them pay out of their own pocket for supplies. And right? most of them do. I imagine. Mean, imagine if we said, oh, we have a hundred senators, but we only have a hundred desks. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, you know, like fifty desks or, or something. Fi- yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. right. Like yeah. we don't have oh, enough desks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly that probably right. get fixed real quick. But and and even think about this, that 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 tell me another profession where it is now expected that you are going to take money out of your own pocket to help your children, that that is not viewed as an amazing um, uh, gift, but it is expected The the debate about whether or not to take away the two hundred fifty dollar um, deduction for school supplies for teachers yeah, during the yeah, tax debate yeah. or whether to increase uh, it or take it away. This is because teachers on average take between 500 and $1,000 out of their own pocket. So you're a teacher in in in, in Oklahoma. Yeah. You have Here. two masters. You make maybe 33000 or 38000 and you're still taking 500 to to $1,000 out of your pocket to help your kids. You tell me on what no. that what other profession would do that. These teachers are amazing human beings, and they should be treated as such. So, so any of these governors, like like Governor Fallon or Governor Ducey, how dare you say this about your teachers? Governor was saying um, was 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 um, was saying they were um, they were extortionists. Yeah, there's uh, another e word. They are exploited. I mean, it's just it is so it, it's it's. But this is why the public is supporting teachers. So, so Sorry do you, for no, my no, rant. No, no. <laughs> do you find then that it's tough recruiting teachers? Yes. I mean, I mean it's tough. Young people must hesitate no it's, matter how dedicated they it's are tough. to go into the profession knowing. It's tough and it's not tough. Hmm. Meaning that this is still the most <laughs> important work someone can do as an adult Amen. to to Amen. to to touch a child to to help unlock a mind to help nurture the future if you believe in democracy if you believe in opportunity if you believe in justice if you believe in all that to then be able to do that work and but but you have you have a right when you do the most righteous and virtuous work in America 
to get a decent living wage for it. This is that, and 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 that's yes. and that's yes. the social yes. contract that has been um, eroded. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, no one ever so, got rich on teaching, but we had enough. We had enough kind of retirement security and health security that you could, um, um, you know, manage in your retirement. And what has happened is that that social contract got eroded by the. Um, not only the recession, because 29 states mm-hmm. now still pay less than they for education than they paid mm-hmm. before the 2007 recession, but that right. also got eroded by this big, you know, by the whole big push that conservatives have done that said tax cuts, austerity, privatization, um, instead of but investing still, in schools. Still, young people are are signing up, right? I mean, there's still here. there are shortages, yeah. um, and 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 they're deeper than they were before, but, but there's still a sense of I want to make a difference. So I've got the answer. Here's the answer. It's the silver bullet. Arm all the teachers. <laughs> yeah, let's arm us with books. Let's arm us with guidance counselors. Let's arm us with nurses. Let's arm us with good buildings. Let's arm us with technology that works that actually helps us. I mean, yeah, let's arm. But yeah, it is the most lunatic. It's the it's it's the it's it's the most insane idea. I mean, I've heard a lot of insane ideas. This is insane. And 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 do your and, teachers feel that way? Uh, most of them do. I mean, there's there are some who say, look. If, if you know, I had a gun. If I had a gun, if I put it in my, you know, if I had a handgun, um, I could take, you know, I could take out, uh, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a bad person with a gun. And there are some that do that. But when you start talking to people, and frankly, I love my, um, my uh, the, the NRA members who are members of our union oh. who are actually really smart about this stuff. I love the vets who are really smart about this stuff because what do I know? I've never handled a gun. I never yeah. wanted to handle a gun. But what they start talking about is they they talk about what you need to be able to do mentally. And And frankly, think about this more than anything else. How is anybody... I mean, we saw it in Broward where, where where even good guys with the gun didn't go in as quickly as they should have. How is anybody going to be able to um, deal with, if you have a handgun, some deranged person that has an AR-15 or an AK, you know, right. one of these, one of these unbelievable weapons that can shoot a hundred bullets a minute, and that the bullets that they shoot not only kill people, but they 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 maim. They are intended to extract as much harm as possible, and 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 so what this is is this is just the NRA and the gun manufacturers saying, "I want a new market." Yeah, this exactly. is also one of those things to get to your yeah. earlier point. Like we ask so much of teachers. We ask them to go out of pocket for school supplies. We ask them to get a second job because they don't get paid enough as teachers. And now we're asking them to also defend their yeah. classroom no, with buy, guns. With they buy. That they have to buy. That they, they have buy. to buy. Training that they probably they have to pay right, for. Right. And then having a loaded gun, because it would have to be loaded if you're going to right. effective, have a loaded handgun in your 
desk. Right. And oh, Court, nothing could ever go wrong. Oh, right. With that. And and but think about it. And I've it's, been. I I used insane. to show a pic of the and in the in the in February. I used to walk around with a picture of a gun and say, "Think about this." on the holster, on the hip. Think about a holster on the hip of your kindergarten teacher. How is that creating a self-welcoming environment? And then all the logistics, the more you think about any of the logistical issues. Okay, so the gun is going to be locked up where? It's a safe lock. It's a biothermal lock. Where is it going to be? How many are going to be in the school? And when you're in an active shooter, not training, but if there is an active shooter, that minute, that 10 seconds, that 15 seconds, what is a teacher going to do? Are you going to shield your students during those 15, 30 seconds? Or are you going to find your gun and try in that period of time where you're not set up, where you don't have any of these other things, you're going to do a shootout and you're going to shoot it out in a hallway when everybody is running in which direction? Like, how is that safe? Like, it is a stupid, 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 stupid reaction to to a real problem, which is let us get guns out of school. If, if, if parents and communities want on the perimeter of schools to have people who are trained, who also are armed, that's for them to decide. There are mm-hmm. some communities that want it. There are some communities that don't. I t- completely understand if a school is 10 minutes away from a police department that you want somebody around who can respond in 10 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever. But inside a school, we schools are not supposed... I mean, we cannot allow schools to become killing zones. And already 180,000 kids since Columbine have been affected by, right. school, by school shooting. Our job, like in Australia, like in Great Britain, like, like in Canada, if these countries can reduce the number of military weapons on the street or not have them, why can't we in America? You cannot tell me that the Second Amendment, which was about muskets, envisioned that we would have these military weapons in the hands of civilians. Randy Weingarten, president of the AFT. So good to see you. Thank Thank you you for all your passion uh, and your leadership on so many issues. Teachers are lucky to have you, and you can find out more about the great work of the AFT. Proud sponsors of our program, for which we're very grateful, at AFT.org. We'll take a quick break. Matt Fuller from the HuffPost joins us to talk about what's happening on the Hill. We'll be right back. We certainly hope that Republicans will continue uh, to remain in the House, especially those that support the the president's agenda. This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, well, they're all not remaining. Not all of them are remaining in the House. Hey, what do you say, everybody? On a Thursday, April 12, uh, great to see you today as we wrap up here the Bill Press Show. And uh, right after the program, I'm on my way to uh, San Diego and L.A. Joining the Young Turks Network live uh, tomorrow in L.A. uh, to talk about uh, my new book, From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. Check it out on our website at thebillpressshow.com. Be fun to join the Turks tomorrow. Um, Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, you know, we're part of the Young Turks Network, and 
I'm the youngest Turk of all, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Here we go. Plus, so, weed is legal out in California, Bill, as you probably know. So. That's why I try to get out there as often as I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Colorado, or yeah. Oregon, or Washington All your favorite State. places. It's yeah. weird how your book tour stops at <laughs> yeah, all the different right. places where weed is legal. Yeah, right. It's the uh, cannabis book tour. <laughs> uh, a lot going on on the Hill, too. Big surprise yesterday. Maybe not a surprise to everybody, but at least to some people. Um, with Paul Ryan stepping down, Matt Fuller covers the house for HuffPost in studio. Hello, Matt. How are you? You were there with yep. uh, with um, the speaker yesterday uh, when he gave the number one reason why he is leaving. I just don't want to be one of those people looking back at my life thinking I spent more time with my kids when I know if I spend another term, uh, they will only know me as a weekend father. Uh, so this is my latest book. My first book was a book called Spin This, uh, where the first chapter said, anytime anybody tells you the they family. want to spend more time with their family, BS. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do actually buy that there's some genuine concern that he wants to spend time with his family. He, You know, he does lay out, and he's laid this out for a while now. He's, he's, all yeah, his kids wow, are in high wow, school. Wow, wow, Right. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, 535 of them here, and they all they go home for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, when he when he did take this job, he, he said, you know, he wanted to spend time with his family. He wanted to sort of do this differently. Um, I well, do think hello, that the job— to Washington. Right. Well, that's the, that's the one novel approach that, you know, yeah. for someone who spent his entire real adult life in Washington, he— Yeah, yeah. He never had his family here, but— um, I will say, you know, he always said, I'm, I'm going to try to do this thing with my family. I'm going to try to be a speaker, but also kind of keep my weekends open. And that didn't quite happen. Uh, he was sort of fundraising on Saturdays and basically had Sunday and a little bit of the Monday morning. And that was his week. Right? But let's be honest. Isn't he just throwing in the towel, heading for the hills? I mean, yes, that's absolutely what he's, he's, a, he's doing. He's tsunami <clears throat> headed for the beach and... Wants to get up on high ground. I think I think everyone assumed he didn't want to be in Congress after this year. Um, the question was, when does he make that announcement? When does he retire? I think most people thought he'd run for re-election and just at you know after that election he would step down and resign. Um, I think you know, and that's sort of the traditional way you do this, uh, particularly if you're going to try to fundraise. Um, now, if he now that he hasn't done that, he's left sort of this weird mess behind him, where Scalise and McCarthy, the the number two and number three Republicans in the House, are going to be jockeying for this position that may not exist in a year, or it may not exist in seven months when um, the House flips, if that if the House flips. Um, so it's he's left a weird place, but I, I I do buy some on some level that. He doesn't want to be here in Congress. I do think he does want to spend time with his family, having never really spent real time with his family. Um, so there's something to that. But as you say, obviously, he is running from a tsunami here. He's getting the hell out of Dodge. Um, yeah. Uh, He's is, number, I, I believe the count that now is, is number 24, re- Republican. Oh, no, I think it's much much higher than that. I think it's— Republicans? Um, yeah, I think so. Just Republicans, okay. <clears throat> yeah. I saw a 24 number somewhere yesterday, but yeah, could be higher, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but again, so they, they see it coming? I mean, are they giving up? That's <laughs> not, I mean, it's not giving up or it's, yes, I think Republicans by and large think they're going to, they are going to lose the majority. Um, and, and that's by no ways a given. I mean, I think that people... Absolutely. You know, I, I, as a Democrat, I hate to almost keep saying that because 
I, but Democrats could blow it, right? Absolutely, right, right. And I mean, could get too cocky or too overconfident, right? I mean, they picked up six seats in 2016 with Donald Trump there. Now right. it, it, it's seen that Donald Trump not being at the top of a ballot is uh, good for for Democrats. Um, yeah, because you just won't bring out the same sort of Trump Republicans. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I I think that everyone sort of sees that it's tough in a midterm election year when your party controls everything to retain all houses here. I mean, the margin isn't that great. I think it's like 23 or 24. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's naturally here a real opportunity for Democrats to pick up seats, and that's traditionally what has happened. So people are just sort of playing the odds. By the but, way, on, on the numbers of how uh, many people uh, yeah. have left, so Paul Ryan is twenty fifth, the 25th House Republican uh, to say he's not running for re-election. Okay. There are also, but, <clears throat> but there are three GOP senators who are calling it quits, but that does not count those who are stepping aside to run for higher office. So there are 25 who are just saying we're oh, out. Yeah. We're done. And ha- and aren't they don't they haven't made their next plan clear, but there are others, far more others who are going to be running for other office. And so. and and I think that um in most counts you you'd include the the guys who stepped into the Trump administration or whatever too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who've resigned. Conversely, or- by the way, there have been nine Democrats who have said that they're not going to so 25 compared to nine and yeah. three GOP senators and there have been zero Democratic senators. <coughs> but, back. you know, um, the thing about Ryan, like him or not, I mean, he he was considered, um, I, I, at least I believe, the leader of the what we used to think of as a Republican Party, mm-hmm. not the non-Trump Republican Party. Yeah. And a lot of people felt that, okay, well, Trump will be here and gone, but, you know, Paul Ryan, who's only 48, this is our future here, right? And Paul Ryan thought that. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You know, there was there's this alternate uh-huh. history where Trump loses and Paul Ryan sort of picks up the party from the tatters here and moves forward. Right, right. And, and, and certainly that's what he expected to happen. And then when it didn't, uh, you know, I think Paul Ryan was just as surprised as, as so many other people. So, um, <laughs> you know. I I I don't I I don't know if we're supposed to feel bad for Paul Ryan because he's absolutely one of the biggest enablers of Trump. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's there's there is a certain tragedy to the situation for him that this the hubris of him thinking that Trump couldn't possibly win and then um, confronting that reality and obviously him seeing up close and personal how hard it is to win a, a presidential election, um, particularly when you are a Republican, you're facing that map and Trump just goes and does it somehow. Uh, that's got to feel, you know, <laughs> it's a little, a little humbling. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, on that point, by the way, like I used to think mm-hmm. like a John Huntsman had a future in the Republican Party, right? When yeah. he was running for president. Because I said, okay, this is a thoughtful guy. Didn't agree with everything that he said. We all was, did. We, yeah. <laughs> it was far away from the whole Tea Party rhetoric. And, the, and, and I thought if he waits another, you know, 10 years. Maybe things will change, and things have only gotten worse. Right, and so, and 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 by the way, it's because of guys like Paul Ryan. Right, right. Donald Trump didn't hijack the Republican Party; they he let just, him right to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what's the Republican Party going to look like in another ten years? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's going to be any better. I mean, this is clearly not what the, this isn't the party that Paul Ryan wanted. But you're absolutely right that he used the same things that were there. Um, you know, you could trace this back a number of different ways, but Certainly, the Tea Party plays a role um, attacking the media and, and, you know, this sort of this constant counter narrative in the Republican Party that the media is lying to you, that, 
you can't trust them. I mean, that sort of led to Trump and and people like Paul Ryan absolutely used that. And, um, you know, he, yesterday he was decrying identity politics. It's like, well, you were one of the biggest you know abusers of identity politics yourself. And the fact that, um, you know, you can defend Trump day in, day out. And he is this massive practitioner of identity politics. But Paul Ryan himself, you know, makers and takers, he was. Um, you know, shitting on people in the inner cities who were taking welfare. He still, he still very quietly does that in the name of, oh, yeah. you know, tr- yeah. lifting people up no, out of poverty. Ent- entitlement reform. Right, right. Yeah, that's what Or now it's even is. workforce, it's workforce development is what it's called, which oh. is just cutting welfare. Yeah. Um, and, you know, cutting food stamps. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a very skilled politician. He dress, he was able to dress up a lot of the rhetoric that Trump doesn't dress up. And I think that's been refreshing for a lot of people. Uh, who like him, and that's part of the reason stylistically people look at Trump and, you know, I I don't agree, but whatever, and Paul Ryan, uh, that's just another slick politician. Okay, now we know that when John Boehner stepped down, it was announced that Kevin McCarthy was going to succeed him as Speaker. Uh, The Republican members of the caucus, Republicans in the caucus, rejected Kevin McCarthy, and that's how they recruited Paul Ryan to be Speaker. So now Kevin McCarthy... Is running again for speaker, or well, yeah, he's Trump. lining up votes, right. and he's considered the House Republican closest to Donald Trump, and Steve Scalise, who's also close to Trump. Yep, is so between the two of them, how do you call that? Well, I, I mean, I, I tend who to th- will be the next minority leader, right? Well, that's in the, the that, that's that's the, that's the question is was all this jockeying is could be all for naught. Um, I, I, I do think that. If it's the, a question of who's going to be the next minority leader, I don't really think that Steve Scalise has that much interest in actually challenging uh, McCarthy mm. for that. Yeah. And he could just safely say, you know, you can keep that, whatever. Mm. I also think there's a possibility that McCarthy says, you know, they lose the election. Uh, they lose, say, 30 or 40 seats or something. And McCarthy and uh, other Republicans say, well, no, we need new leadership at the top. Uh, we need something different. And uh, mm. that might be Steve Scalise. That might not be Steve Scalise. Kevin McCarthy might go be White House chief of staff, might become Commerce Secretary. Yeah. Um, who knows? Uh, but if it's just a straight race for Speaker, I actually think Scalise has the upper hand in that, personally. Um, although, again, there's just so many moving parts to this. Uh, I think Kevin McCarthy right now is trying to force uh, an election sooner. He wants to sort of force Scalise's hand to run against him because Scalise has said repeatedly, you know, I'm not going to run against Kevin and it's sort of this, um, like, if, if he can't get the votes, maybe I would step in or something like that. Yeah. But he's clearly running. I mean, they're both, they've are both they both been running, <laughs> is the truth. Um, yeah, so I, I we don't know what position they're running for. They don't know. And, and I think that's a major component here. And it's just going to be a very weird seven <laughs> months of them trying to publicly seem like we're rooting for the team. We're trying to give money to the party and, and all just sort of wrapping up votes. As, as it's got to... Um... A final point on this: it's 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 got to handicap. Even though Paul Ryan and you were there at the news conference, denied that this would have any impact on the 2018 uh, midterms. This has to throw a damper over a, a Republican efforts to hold on. Doesn't yeah, it? I mean, certainly fundraising wise, Paul Ryan has been you know phenomenal yeah. fundraiser. If you were giving money, I wouldn't give to Paul Ryan. But um, you could also say. Okay, well now I have to give money to Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and kind of hedge my bets. Uh, there's there's a lot of ways to game this out. I I I am actually one who, who tends to think that Ryan had become politically pretty toxic. Um, <clears throat> you know, we hear a lot of, on the uh, about Nancy Pelosi and people tying Nancy Pelosi, right. and 
I think Paul Ryan, if you look at his approval ratings, are about equal with Nancy Pelosi. So anytime someone says, you know, you can't elect this guy to Congress, he's going to vote for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker. And, and then the automatic retort, I think, for, for Democrats was, well, look at this guy. He's going to vote for Paul Ryan. Um, now that's kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Now they're fighting this sort of amorphous enemy, this faceless enemy. And who knows? So, it, you know, whenever someone, if, if Republicans want to go after Nancy Pelosi here, then that's, you know, that's more power to them, I guess. Um, there's nothing really that yeah. Democrats can say. You um, you referenced uh, uh, former Speaker John Boehner. Um, and it uh, is worth noting that uh, the former Speaker has a new job. Uh, it was announced uh, yesterday that he has joined the board, the corporate board, of Acreage Holdings. Acreage Holdings, which is a company that grows pot. Yep. Uh, it's a can- have cannabis operations in 11 different states. Um, I didn't realize that Boehner was such a big fan of uh, recreational marijuana. <laughs> Well, I, I I don't think anyone had any illusions that he was a teetotaler. No, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting that his views have, as he says, evolved. You know, yeah. a little a little out of Congress. Right. At one time, he said he was unalterably opposed to uh, legalization. Of, <laughs> unalterably now, opposed. Yeah, is an yeah. Awfully strong way right. to put it. And now he says his views on uh, cannabis yeah. have evolved. It's evolved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I I'm wondering, uh, you know, if if his lawnmower is the only grass that's been. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he loves to cut his lawn. But... <laughs> you know, Merlot and cannabis make a nice combination. Oh, I'm like sure. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, man. It's one of your pairings. Right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hippie speedball. <laughs> Let's do it. But, uh, you know, where you stand depends on where you sit, as some people. That's <laughs> right. absolutely true. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we do think that Peter and I both think that. Uh, having a paycheck as a member of a board helps helps your, the <laughs> helps the evolution yeah, of your thought. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, my views have looks at the paycheck evolved. <laughs> so, so <coughs> with um, with Paul Ryan's departure, particularly, what's the agenda now for the House of Representatives for the rest of the? <coughs> oh, how's that infrastructure bill doing? Oh, any any day now. Uh, we'll we'll have infrastructure that. week. You know, it's funny. Next I, week is Infrastructure Week, yeah. Every week is Infrastructure <laughs> Week. I, I just remember uh, the transportation chairman uh, telling me during the first 100 days of Trump's office saying, you know, I'm not sure it's going to get done in the first 100 days, but definitely the first 200 days. Like, that that's mm. absolutely a priority. You mean the infrastructure? Right. Oh. <laughs> right. Bill Schuster. Um, yeah. Yeah, didn't exactly call that one right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm someone who's who's been saying for a long time that the agenda is pretty much to do nothing, uh, which is sort of extraordinary. I mean, um, you think about Republicans and, and the idea that, you know, they worked for so long for this unified Republican control of, of Washington. And basically they passed some tax cuts and they passed a massive omnibus bill that in a lot of ways is yeah. one for Democrats uh, with just huge spending increases uh, that apparently they wanted. Uh, you know, now they're, they're now touting how, how great they've rebuilt the military and whatever. Um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see much happening here. You, you go around ask. I asked this question yesterday to the Ways and Means Chairman Kevin Brady. Really, you know, what, what now? And you know, he, they have a litany of bills here and there. Uh, today, they're doing a, a messaging bill, a balanced budget amendment. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, can they, with a straight face, having passed the 
biggest tax cut bill, with uh, which 1. added what, $1.5 right. to the deficit. And then the omnibus spending bill, right. which adds Add, another ten trillion or something, right? Well, it? billion. It was it was a one point three trillion dollar bill, okay. and then adding more to the deficit, but billions more, hundreds of billions, hundreds more. of billions yeah. more to the, and then turn around and say, <clears throat> yeah, we're we, for a balanced budget. Yeah, it, it it is actually stunning, and I've been, and I've been asking that question <laughs> uh, all week, and I was hoping to really get that story done yesterday. <laughs> um, then some things came up, but. Um, yeah. No, I mean, for the conservatives who voted against the omnibus, if you ask them about this balanced budget amendment, they'll they'll fully admit this is, you know, a crock of shit. I mean, we just feasted, and then now we're saying, you know, oh, we're going to go on this great diet. Um, I... I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's 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 amazing. But then you do talk to some other Republicans, and they're like, no, no, this is totally consistent. We just got to get ourselves together here. Right. Uh, I, I just find it. I mean, that balanced budget member has been hanging around since since Ronald Reagan, who was also one of the biggest violators of. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, deficit spending. Uh, deficit spending. Exploding right. the deficit. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know who they're who they're kidding, but particularly with this gang, you know, um, uh, uh, and. <laughs> Talking out of both sides of the mouth, I don't think anybody buys it anymore. Uh, there's a lot of talk about, uh, particularly after yesterday's raid of uh, Michael Cohen's offices and home and uh, hotel room in New York. Uh, more and more talk about Stormy Daniels. Mm. Um, you've written about, um, for some reason, Democrats aren't talking a lot about Stormy Daniels. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the strategy there, or the, at least they're thinking, is that you sort of don't interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake, or they don't need to feed into the story it's already being. F- fed into. Uh, again, I'm someone who kind of thinks this could use a little more injection of, of Democrats um, calling for more investigations into this situation. It's it's certainly a very sketchy situation. The more we learn about the, the payments, uh, the more questions I think we have. Um, I mean, throw in an FBI raid. I mean, this is just yeah, uh, yeah. a very interesting situation. But their basic thinking is we don't need to insert ourselves into the story. Well, Republicans are doing I, a great job of it. I understand themselves. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, as former chair of the California Democratic Party, a, a practitioner at one time myself, that if the other side's doing a pretty good job of uh, committing political suicide, you just yeah, sort of just um have at it. Let them yeah. know, enjoy watching that happen, right? Yeah. Uh this civil war today between uh well either Scalise and McCarthy and Scalise, and McCarthy right. and Scalise or between the you know the Trumpers and the non-Trumpers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> have hey, fun, guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Form a form a circular firing squad the way Democrats right, usually right. do. And, right, uh, right. Yeah, Be- because um, I, we were we were talking earlier about I don't know whether you've had a chance. So you're focused on Congress. The parallel between um, Republicans in the Missouri legislature and their governor Eric Creighton's right. Scathing report. Yeah, this report that came out. Oh, my God, yeah. Of details of his extramarital affair. Uh, That's a generous way of describing that, but uh, yes. Yeah. He's in trial, on trial, starting next month. 33 or 32 days now or something. Right. Now, if if you don't think there's any parallel between what's happening here and what's happening in Missouri, listen to how the governor summed up this lawsuit yesterday. This is a political witch hunt. Boop, boop, boop. Have we heard that before? Yeah. I mean, they're all adopting the Trump rhetoric because it's it's so effective. And again, this is this is you know the the, um, the result of of I think decades of of Republicans undermining the media and 
telling people that, you know, you can't trust these facts. I mean, if you read this report, again, this which is a report written by Republicans, um, it is— This report that came out yesterday. Right, on, last night on, yeah. on, on the actual affair. And, and basically, you know, the panel says we find this witness to be credible— this woman, uh, I won't go into too many of the details, but basically, please, thank you. It's uh, yeah, it's show. it's <laughs> uh, it's it's not good. Is is the is the long and short of it? And um, I mean, he, he you know his idea is just under undermine that and, and not not address it. It's a political witch hunt. Dismiss it. Shrug it off. You know, he acknowledges that he had an affair, but it was totally consensual, and we're just supposed to buy that and move on. Right, you know, total and, Trump playbook, and that's not what the that's not what the report says. And I think uh, the governor, if he doesn't already know, it may find out that a different set of rules applies once you get in the courtroom. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> exactly. All right, busy days for you, Matt. Thanks yep. so much for coming in. Thank you. Uh, and uh, go up there and get that balanced budget amendment passed, and we'll all be uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll all, feel, all be on our way. We'll feel a lot better. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can follow Matt, of course, at HuffPost.com. Hey, folks, have a great, great Thursday. Come back here on Friday.